Welcome to Echoes Down the Road, a podcast presented by the band West of House. My name is Lance, and today we bring you episode nine, where we will be breaking down the song Fallen from our debut album, Crescendo of Silence. So join me, Eric, Kevin, Tommy via satellite, and a returning special guest as we unpackage the song that started it all. Welcome back to Echoes Down the Road. We are west of house and we have a special guest in the studio today that we will get to. But in the meantime, my name is Eric. And I am Lance. I'm Kevin. And who is there lurking in the depths of Wyoming? Could it be? (laughs) I'm back. It's Bobby. Bobby Phillips. Back-to-back episodes, fresh off Turn of Phrase, which which turned out really well, man. We were really happy to have you on that one. That was fun, man. I'm, I'm glad to be back, too. I'm here for uh, comic relief and good company. So Hey, Absolutely. that'll work. You you haven't been fired yet. Uh, Tommy's not here, so I guess he has been fired. <laughs> That's the current rumor. The, the rumor is that Tommy has been fired and he has been replaced by Mr. 808. <laughs> so nothing but Kanye soul. beats on the next album. You just gut punched him right there. But let's uh, get it started like we always do. Hey, Lance, what you drinking there? Well, it is early today on this fine president morning, and this is known as dihydrogen oxide, which for the non-chemistry dorks out there, that's just plain water. Way to go breaking bad on everyone. Yeah, I try. I try. And Eric, what are you drinking over there, my friend? Well, as as we've alluded to, with with the time of day that it is, it's what is eleven oh four a.m. here on the West Coast. I'm back to my nice, super pure black coffee that I am apt to do on these AM shows. Straight. Black. It is not even Irish, just straight black. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, you know, hello. I actually you're drinking just, the, the tears of. <laughs> I I sadly ran out of coffee yesterday. Um, and oh, it's, we're yesterday. snowed in, so I haven't been able to go out. Uh, so oh, I, can, I can hear that in your voice, Kevin. You seem a little down, my friend. <laughs> I, I have some, uh, caffeine free herbal tea that I've been sipping on. Tommy would be proud. That's true. Are, are you in the polar, work. are you in the polar vortex right now? Yeah, it's, uh, supposed to thaw today. So. Or t- and Bobby, you're in Wyoming. So I'm guessing it's what a high of 65 and sunny. Uh, no, I think I've got uh, 17 degrees right now. Good Lord. <laughs> oh, it was it was minus 19 yesterday, man. Ouch. Yeah. At least through Skype, we can see that you have power, and we are very happy for that. Yep, power and heat. It's it's nice over here. That's good. Hate to warp all those nice guitar necks in the background. <laughs> I, I, what, what, is that a, was that a four loco? That a, no, yeah. Yeah, 12, 12 in the afternoon on a Monday. Why not? No, it's Spindrift sparkling water. It's lemon water. That, that's lemon precious. angry water. <laughs> we're, we're showing our age on this episode. Yeah, you can't rock every day. Spindrifts and, and hot tea. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Kevin has a shawl around him. <laughs> from, from what I understand, too, I think Kevin's the youngest one here. I, I thought I would be, but I think Kevin's a little younger. Yeah, Kevin looks young. He is actually 74 years old. <laughs> I, I buy that. Yeah, it's he. He's ageless. He's the eternal one. He may be the youngest, but he's definitely the oldest soul. Oh yeah, I sleep by like eight o'clock every night. Oh yeah, yeah that's old weird, man dude. right there. 
<laughs> we were up editing a previous episode Good for Lord. the Wessies out there. That was, I don't know, one thirty-two in the morning. Yeah, it was pushing 2 o'clock. Which explains my extremely sexy voice right now. You preach. <laughs> preach it. All right. So today, if you guys are still there after our our trapes through the elderly you know, stages that we are in, uh, we are going to be talking about Fallen. And as we've done the past few episodes, we are going through every song off of our debut album, Crescendo of Silence, and kind of breaking them down. And some people find it helpful to actually give the song one listen before we get started. So you kind of got to freshen your mind. So if you'd like to do that, now's a great time. And hopefully you did. And if you didn't, you're going to be surprised. We are going to be talking about the song that started it all. The very first track that we recorded as a band. So this is, it's kind of a historic moment, isn't it? It is. It brought a lot of us together. So it started with friends and it ended with more friends. Oh, well, that the jury's still out on that. Enemies. <laughs> we may be mortal enemies by this time. That's true. We did lose one today. So that maybe is... Dropping like flies. Statement. Yeah. <laughs> Who's next? Tommy said, it's, it's gone full circle. It's, it's the perfect time for me to get out. <laughs> so the demo to this one uh, was originally called It's a Long Time. And if you've heard the song, you know, that line is there. So that name kind of stayed. But this was written, and I have it all in my notes for posterity. It was written on December 30th, 2019, which uh, the world was a, a very different place. No pandemics. We all uh, lived life with smiles and halos and rainbows before it all came crashing down. Yeah, life was so innocent and naive back then. The planet has changed. It seems so far away, doesn't it? I was just kind of going over the timeline and everything was different at the end of 2019, you know, compared to what it is today. But I mean, we've talked about it before in the previous episodes, you know, the one good thing about the lockdown and the pandemic was, you know, we got to work and it created an album because of it. So absolutely. That was a so, good good thing that came out of it that we're still enjoying even to this day. Yes, we are, we are still pretty productive, and we'll say no more on the subject right now. Shh. Quiet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so like a lot of these songs for Crescendo of Silence, Fallen was written in one day. Music and lyrics and... You know, we're going to go out of order. We're going to kind of jump into the lyrics right now because they paint a picture of what was going on. So at the time, uh, Lance and Kevin and I were, were in the Mad Ones, and that, it's kind of like a yearly gig where we play in the summers and we don't do too much in the fall. But I hadn't written a lot in a while, and I had just finished completing uh, building a studio in my home, which is a dangerous concept when you really have not written more than five songs in the past five years. And my, my wife, much to my chagrin, uh, just kept saying, you know, you better use that because we spent a, a few cents on this. And Does she regret saying that now? Because oh, I don't... Well, she, I think she regrets it for a different reason. I mean... Because she hasn't seen me since December 30th. Well, exactly. I mean, 
as we've mentioned before, you only live a few blocks away and our normal loop with my three kids and dog as we meander around your street and back around. And I'd say over 50% of the time, the garage is down, the lights are on, and I know what magic's happening behind it. <laughs> so poor Shannon, she lost her husband to the your own dungeon, I guess. Yes, I, I have definitely uh, uh, made it worth it. And we've well, we haven't made any of those pennies back, and I don't expect we will, but you know, mentally, I'm, I'm in a good spot from all the music we've done. They're but, intrinsic treasures that you're earning right now. Yes. It's a yes, long-term it's, investment. It'll be there after yeah. we pass. It, no it's Benjamins. our eternal legacy. When, when I'm gone, you know, like two or three weeks from now, probably, uh, these, songs will, these songs will outlive me. <laughs> And that's a, when we'll start making money. That's what always happens. <laughs> well, yeah, of course, because exactly. that's how the made-for-TV movie will go. Uh, so it, it was funny. I I got everything together, got you know my studio monitors and bought some nice headphones and got my desk and got all the guitars set up. And I sat down, and the first thing that went through my head, besides the pressure of you better take advantage of that studio, is what the hell am I going to write? Because I've never been extremely prolific as a writer. I'm the type of guy who would take a year to work on a song and just try to make every aspect of it perfect. And I sat down and the first fear that went through me, and it was chilling, was what if I'm just not able to write songs anymore? And for a musician, that's uh, it's terrifying. You know, the idea that, you know, we all have a finite amount of music in us, I imagine. And what if I have reached my limit? You know, like Kevin's words on a podcast. What if, you know, I've hit, I, I've hit the zenith and it's over. The well is dry. And, and it's funny because, you know, a lot of people listen to Fallen and for whatever reason, they're like, oh, is this about, you know, like alcoholism? I'm like, no, don't worry about the whiskey part, but it opens up. <laughs> Another day like the last one, whiskey in my hand, oh God, I pray that I'll find something new just so I can live again. It's just another way to say, uh, I don't know if I can write a song. And so I was writing very personal, very experiential. I was writing literally what I was feeling at that second, which I don't do too much. I'm, you know, usually more broad strokes and things like that. So then that's, it started with that and that, you know, opened the deluge of, of West of House, so to speak, with just that opening verse. I never knew that about the song. Going back to its title, it's a long time. I just figured it was a dream of yours to have a studio, and it took so damn long. And you finally got the studio, and then boom, here we are. You're writing a song. But well, uh, I'm yours... glad you're not one of the one of the others that thought I was just writing about alcoholism. <laughs> no, no, I ignore all those rumors about you. I know they're not true, but <laughs> I uh... I'll I'll admit that was my first thought when I first heard it too. It <laughs> was wow. it. yeah. You know I and it, I I don't I don't mean to joke about it. Alcoholism is obviously a very deadly disease and something to be taken seriously. And I did uh, enjoy the fact kind of kind of moving ahead of myself that I've received feedback from this song, some private messages uh, through the band page on Facebook, where some folks who were alcoholics actually tracked with this song, that there That's was something really cool. in them, you know, and it, it brought them to a place, uh, you know, where they could resonate with the lyrics. And we've talked about in earlier episodes that once you write a song, 
it no longer belongs to you. It goes out and it belongs to the listener. So that's very encouraging to me that, you know, I may be writing about music, but that something else is striking someone in a different way. And I mean, even getting to that course, the course is very universal with the idea of it's a long way to fall. I mean, there's many ways that you could take that. Yeah. That's interesting that Bobby thought that too. Never registered on my brain, but I have a small one, I think. Well, I mean, clearly I wasn't correct, at least in the original artist's interpretation. True, but Eric's, you know, got those multi-layers going on. So True, very true. All layers are good. You know, it's... Most definitely. Uh, where are we? Oh, lyrics. So yeah, let's just kind of keep going there. You know, uh, we go to the second verse to take my hand. We'll jump in every kind of fire. The burn won't last. It's just another way to feel alive. Uh, for me, again, that's kind of just that falling into the passion of creation and, and what that entails. And I love the fire metaphors are always fun for me. You know, it's probably second to death, but the whole burning and, and, the idea that through burning we are refined and that's very big and also music creation too uh we refine ourselves through that burning and for us it's writing songs for years that suck and you know having that criticism come back and you realize that that you're not good at what you do and you just keep going and you keep going and you keep going but that that burn inside you you know just just pushes you on further you know through that creation process yeah i love both of these verse stanzas. I think the second one is my favorite. I just think of like a a young rejuvenated time when you've got, I I mean, for me, I'm thinking like a friend or even a a new girlfriend, kind of a romance back then where take my hand and, and it's just so exciting. You jump in all these different scenarios and you do crazy things just because you want to spend as much time every second of every day that you have with each other Knowing Take my that, hand if you want to live. Exactly. And, and it, you know it won't last, but it's another way to feel alive. I think that just speaks to that youthful spirit, which is funny because it contrasts pretty heavily with the first stanza, not necessarily about being over 21 when you should be drinking whiskey daily, <laughs> but the fact that, you know, I pray that I'll find something new, meaning like time has passed and there's this like uncertainty ahead just so I can live again. And I, I think of a lot of people, maybe they go through that midlife crisis or they retire. And you know, I remember watching a lot of my parents' friends when they retired, they, they had no hobbies. They had no life except their career. And it was actually kind of sad and depressing because I've always felt, gosh, I want to retire as soon as possible so I can enjoy all of my hobbies. I have way too many, which causes strife in my relationship with my wife and family because I like to do too much. So it's interesting how those two verses play with each other. But yeah, no, I, I love both of those those verses lyrically. They're pretty well written and they're kind of fun but cautious for me to just think about, hey, there's a lot of life going on out there and it's exciting, but let's not get too static and asleep, I guess, at the wheel. Um, no, I mean, I think burnout is a very relatable subject. It's something that everyone feels and goes through. So uh, sometimes you burn out drinking whiskey. Sometimes you burn out making music. You know, it is what it is. <laughs> 
deep waters. I love it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, good words, good words, Lance and and Kev. Uh, I mean, that whole idea, just about being fallen. I, I'm not going to say I was purposely vague, because when I wrote this, there was no West of House. I had no intention of making a CD. I was just trying to get the juices flowing, and. Well, you know, before we get ahead of ourselves, let, let's take a listen to a little bit of that demo. And we can kind of hear some of the beginnings of, of what is to come. So let's go ahead and play that. Take my hand, we'll jump into every kind of fire. The burn won't last. It's just another way to feel alive It's a long way to fall It's a long way to fall In time So as you can hear, I mean, I mean the, the blueprint's the same. The foundation is the same, but, but there's some different things. There's some different vocal harmonies going on. Uh, the guitar's a little out of tune because I just grabbed it. And, and when you start playing on guitar, if you've got a good riff going, put that down first, you know, because you never know when you might lose something. Uh, but, but the whole blueprint is there for the song. That didn't change the entire time. So... It, what happened is after I wrote that, that was on the 30th, uh, I had been texting with Tommy and we had talked about drums a little, but the first guy to get involved, just a mere, well, a couple of days later, and I believe my files say it was January 2nd, was our esteemed bass player, Mr. Lance Bletcher. Well, again, I wasn't your bass player at the time. You're we always my bass player. Well, that's true. But well, we were in West... Mad One still was alive, so you were you're you've been true. my bass player for twenty years. I'm 25. always there to support 30, you. 35. And you said, Yeah, I'm doing this single and of course I'm gonna wanna play. Just being with friends, music and having a few brews is one of my favorite hobbies. Those are not three separate hobbies. They all kinda always coincide together. And Eric, if I didn't tell you then, um, happy new year, you know, if it was the second of january though, <laughs> though we may have hung out two days before i don't remember if that was your your initial new year's eve party it's shocking that you don't remember that i don't remember much i i have a picture of you not remembering it okay that's the one on the couch yeah that was a good look <laughs> my wife was very proud i was in a happy place as you could see on that photo which will not be a uh, album cover or a single cover anytime soon. You say wow, that, that now. just gave me a great idea. <laughs> yeah, walked right into that one. Yeah, so th- that was in your garage, your new studio. I remember that, and uh, pre-COVID, of course. And it was a, I mean, it was kind of a fun song. It was mellow, as you guys have heard, and hopefully are enjoying it. But it's 
I don't know when Eric. I don't know when you shared that with me because you said you wrote it on twelve thirty. So that's only a couple of days later. So I don't know how that happened. Well, I probably sent it to you that night. That's crazy. So in two, three days, plus a little hiatus on New Year's Eve? Yeah, I didn't realize we'd done it that fast, but I was looking at the dates on the files, and we got it done really quickly. I mean, I normally try to be a humble person, but that changes the whole perspective on what I ended up producing. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, you know, a lot of times for me, you know, if you give me too much time, which again, this isn't much, but I, I eventually start going like soloing style on a bass, which is normally how I warm up. And then I pull back all the layers and like, no, 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 you're a bass player. That's not your role. You need to lay the groundwork down. And and so, you know, the intro is basically the verse progression and it's flowing. I don't think I use this term myself much until Tommy said it's a very melodic style of playing bass which when it's the natural way i play i don't really think of it that way but he's right so yeah try to just be really flowing and there's a lot of words obviously in those lyrics that i'm assuming yeah right you you sent that demo with the lyrics yep you had the full thing so that that kind of shaped the way i wrote this because if you said no i didn't have the lyrics then i got really lucky because i really wanted to make sure that these words falling, I was trying to emulate with the way I was kind of working on it. So like the chorus is a really good example of this. When you're saying a long way to fall, I wanted to create a falling sensation. So I kind of move up high on the fretboard and and then I do some sliding walking lines down to a low, lower register on the fretboard to, to provide that semblance to the lyrics of falling. But still, you know, pretty mellow, just kind of moving around with some complimentary sounds but the bridge is where it really took off to a melodic line of almost like a solo (laughs) Um, which you know there are even some chords in there so you don't normally hear that much with a bass unless you're like Les Claypool or something yeah that was a fun song and I just figured it was a fun little single that we would do and chalk it up for a little project with a few buddies and lo and behold things kind of picked up steam like they are in Oregon and Wyoming where the snowball just grows and grows as it rolls down the road. <laughs> yeah, I mean, looking at the uh, at the dates there, Kevin, you weren't far behind because my file says on January 12th, you stopped by and added some magic. Yeah, I think I remember that. I remember at the New Year's party. For sure. <laughs> uh, More so than I do, I guess. <laughs> I remember taking that picture of, of Lance. Oh, that was, was that your picture? <laughs> that was you, huh? <laughs> uh, That's at hilarious. least being in the I didn't picture, know that. Somewhere in the room when that picture was taken. But um, yeah, we were about to go out for uh, Scott's birthday party. We'd get together, That's the right. three of us. And beforehand, we decided to pregame, drink a couple beers. And um, I think you were getting ready, and I was like, oh, I can play over this a little bit. And it kind of came up with that um, ascending arpeggio line. It kind of goes over throughout the song. Which uh, you're listening to right now, and how beautiful it is. <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was something simple. I didn't want to do too much to it since it was, um, I, 
felt it was pretty lyrically lyrically driven, and Lance also with the melodies. I didn't want to override that. Um, so, hit it. I don't know. It just came, and I was like, oh, this sounds kind of cool. So I just played it over and over and over until we got uh, the final track. No, that was Kevin. funny because... Oh, go I was gonna, sorry, I was going to say, Kevin, that was what the verse-chorus type progression bridge? I mean, when did that uh, last part come into play? I mean, it wasn't at that point, was it? Or did you do that all in one sitting? Well, we were we were doing the verse and the chorus. And, you know, like Kevin said originally, he was just like messing around. And then we realized uh, we need to be recording this. And this is working. Mm-hmm. And I think we, because we were on a, we had a deadline. We we had to meet Scott. I don't know, four thirty in the afternoon or something. And it's it's now three forty five, and we need something for the end. And I I don't know how it, how it started, but it's like you know, do you, do you want to try the solo? And Kevin, you can kind of take it from there. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. Honestly, that was, that was like the fastest solo that we've ever written. Um, I remember you were messing with the uh, the tone settings. I was like, oh. Man, that sounds because you had those um, the HS eights, and I was like, I've never heard anything like come out of a computer that sounds this good. <laughs> and with the Helix presets uh, that you created, and I was like, man. Uh, so I just started noodling around, kind of went bluesy, kind of uh, all I know <laughs> as far as solos go. But yeah, that's it. We played it I think two or three times, and then you you're like. Stop overplaying it because I just kept going <laughs> after the song ended, and I was like, "Ah, oh, crap." Yeah. Well, you're it, pretty humble about that, Kevin, because I, I swear that solo has been referenced more than anything else on all of our episodes of this podcast, and still is my favorite solo on the whole album. I remember trying to arm wrestle Eric. Like, do we need more of this? It's got to be the beginning, maybe. Is there a middle section? Like, we need to shove it down people's throats. It's that good. And Eric, in his wise old age, says, no, we need to reveal the song. And that is the treasure at the end. Yeah. Which is funny you say that it was done quicker than anything else because it's like a mythical unicorn. It just pops up out of nowhere. And before you realize, it's gone. <laughs> let's uh let's give it the respect that it's due. Here, with nothing else under it, is Kevin's solo from Fallen. <laughs> A thing of beauty, a work of art, 30 minutes of blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, it, it's, it's funny. I totally forgot, Kevin, that we were, I mean, we recorded the vast majority of the guitars, almost all of them, uh, through Helix, which is a, it, it's a, it's a modeling system. You know, you put your guitar into your interface because we don't always have the option to mic an amp and crank it up to 11. Uh, and that type of software, it just used to be terrible. The guitar sounded fake. Uh, it was a miserable way. It was just fake guitar, and I hated it. Moving to Helix, uh, what Kevin and I have discovered for sure, mm-hmm. is you can do some amazing things. And so we're going through it, and I'm like, well, let's do this with a Vox amp. No, we're going to put into a Fender amp. Now we're going to use a, 
you know, a PRS tone. And now we're going to do this and we're going to throw Mesa Boogies or a Soldano or a Dr. Z. And just the ability, let, let's move the mic six inches further away. And this is all done on the computer. And so we're going through all these sounds and there's crazy sounds and he's still playing the solo and we, we, we get to one and I did some tweaking. And yeah, Kevin's like you said, the, the tone of it, you know, we got these big HS8 speakers in the studio and it was beautiful. And the first few runs, I mean, Kevin literally did not stop playing even after the song ended. So we had, we had to dial that back. But, but what he got in that amount of time, because if Kevin, if you write solos like I do, uh, guitar solos are actually a really long process. You know, and, and we talked about it, I, I don't know if it was yesterday's, maybe a different episode. You know, there's kind of two schools when writing a guitar solo. There's the play and see what happens. And then there's just working it out phrase by phrase, like the uh, Holy Ghosted, that Pink Floyd solo. Mm -hmm. That was worked out phrase by phrase. But watching Kevin's process for me was really enjoyable. Just seeing, I mean, he, he just puts his head down and his fingers just start creating. And it, it was beautiful. And when we went out that night, we, we, we exported it really fast and we just played it over and over uh, in, in the car. And poor Scott, our friend, he was in the back and he had to listen to that about 6,000 times. <laughs> and just, you know, Kevin, it's your solo, turn it up. And it's only a three and a half minute song. But we played it, what, 30, 40 times? Yeah. Must have been the entire ride to the, uh, <laughs> to the bar. And the whole time I'm thinking, yes, this is the new culmination of this musical product. It will not get better than this song. <laughs> That's funny. And it's a good song. It, it is a good song, and mm -hmm. it, it's still good. Uh, so this kind of kind of moves us to drums. Uh, originally, I, I had been talking to Tommy. We had reconnected after a while. Uh, originally, the idea was, you know, this maybe a, a solo song, uh, but I was going to use the guys from the Mad Ones and our drummer Scott, who we've mentioned a ton of times, and. You know, as of this recording, he's now moved to Texas and the Mad Ones are no more, which is sad. Uh, but a, a, a new step for him and we're excited for him. But he didn't have the ability to record uh, at home. So we moved to Tommy for this. And <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> Tommy, you know, in, in our talking, you know, we realize that he's, he's got a drum dungeon. And in that drum dungeon, he's drum got. I don't know. How many mics does he have now? Oh, jeez. Over 20. Bo Bobby, 20. you would know. Yeah, no, 22? I think I got 22 or 24 on the last song that we just did. 20, yep. 24 <laughs> drum microphones. So Actually, I, I think with Fallen, he started with like 18. And through this album, he bought a few more. So yeah, that's, he's in that's the, true. We, we the low mid-20s. But that's still insane. I mean, Lance sends you one track and my guitar's on one track. And I know Tommy always jokes. He's like, you know, I sent 24 tracks. I'm like, yeah, but it's still one track. It's just drums, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know you're putting them all together, but it's not like when we said we do 24 tracks of guitars. You know, your so track funny. is here. Here's your China. And here's your crash. And here's that damn cowbell that Bobby won't turn down. <laughs> you know, no matter uh, how much so I make it. It's fun, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's never maybe, that fun. Maybe we should do You'd six be different tracks. One for each string. <laughs> you didn't like uh no i mean it wasn't they did one for each string but it reminds me of megadeth when we're gonna go metal a little here when they recorded rust in peace 
uh, they got to a point where they were so anal about tuning and stuff that they were punching in singular notes into that. <laughs> uh, Def Leppard did it too for Hysteria. Uh, they'd punch in just a note to make sure it was perfect. Yikes. You know, yeah, it's, it's insane. You know, I'll, I'll go one take and be like, yeah, it's pretty good. Bobby will fix it somewhere. <laughs> so that, that takes away the musicality of it. Kind of. I agree. The soul. It, it's, yeah. it, it does. But I mean, I, I don't know if you're a Megadeth fan. I'm, I'm guessing Bobby probably knows this sound pretty well. I'm actually, uh, uh, I was more of a Metallica guy than a Megadeth guy, but. Oh man. Well, I, I love them both, but rust in peace by Megadeth. That is a seminal thrash metal album. Uh, it's amazing, and you would not guess that, you know, they took kind of the soul out of that and, you know, pieced it together almost note by note at some points. But highly recommended for the listeners out there if you, if you've got some metal bones in you, which which th- those bones exist pretty hard in West of House. We just don't use them too much, and we definitely don't let Tommy play double bass. Well, <laughs> that not is not yet. That's true. Yeah, maybe when I'm asleep at night, you guys can let him do that, but. He does have a lot of metal in his bones. And I, I do remember when he first sent his first pass at this song, I think you'll agree with me, Eric. He said, I played every drum I own except the second snare. And I'm like, second snare? And he sent this picture. Most of us know he's got his little GoPro above. And it, it's, you know, Neil Perth to a, to a T. What, what was that name again? Uh, I Ian Perth. I forget what is it. Perth. What's yeah. a Perth? Perth, <laughs> Australia. Yeah, that that's an Australian that's a good town, Adelaide, town. Australia. Peart, with a T. Pert. Rest in peace. Peart. 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 Mm-hmm. Port. Okay. Peart. We'll just we'll just pass it's got, it. It's got this. four syllables. Peart. <laughs> Why well, no? It's not Perth. It, it's got an ear sound because that's what Mike Portnoy taught me. Okay. That well, he, Mike Portnoy has a fun story where he was saying his name wrong for years. And then finally Neil corrected him himself and says, you have to make sure you emphasize the ear sound. Pierth. Not, there's no H. <laughs> well, the now point just, in this, every, in this every damn Rush story. Fan, every Rush fan has turned off the podcast now. <laughs> That's the, too Surprisingly, bad. The, they're all men, but they've turned it off. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> anyway, I was just impressed the fact that he had all of these drums and the, on a song like this, which is not that complex, he found a way to shove every drum and cymbal he owned, except his second snare that he did have set up. It was there for him to hit. I don't know why he would have missed it. Nothing says mid-tempo song, like play every drum you own. What's the BPN on this? Oh, Bobby, do you know? Oh, gee, I didn't write it down. It's, I think it's in like the eighties maybe. <laughs> yeah. It's 80 ish. Yeah. 86. Yeah, I think play all the drums, you know, uh, we're gonna we're gonna throw Tommy a bone. I know Tommy wishes he were going to be here, so so we're going to shoot to Tommy uh, via satellite later in the episode, and we will edit this in. We're we're not gonna fake it for you, Westies. But he does have some things to say about the drums. So here are Tommy's thoughts right now. Hello, hello, can you hear me? Can you guys can you hear me? This is Tommy coming in via satellite from the future. And, and hang, hang on, I gotta adjust something here. Hang on, hang on. Uh, all right, it should be better. How's that? Can you guys hear me now? All right. So, uh, thanks for giving me time. 
to jump in here via satellite from the future. The first thing I need to do is scold Lance for not speaking properly of the professor on the drum kit for Rush, Neil Peart. I don't know where you got what you got, but I think I need to punch you in the nose the next time I see you. I'm not sure. I'm still trying to decide that. But <laughs> anyhow, um, let me get to what I wanted to talk about. Um, so, yeah, Eric came to me with this project idea um, sometime at the end of, what was it, 2019, early part of 2020. And... It was a good time for me because I had just taken the previous 12 or 13 months off of drumming. Didn't touch a stick for over a year. And I was kind of starting to get the itch to start playing again. And Eric's always been one of my best friends in the business. He always writes really great things. I really enjoy his vocal sound. His voice is amazing to me. So I was pretty excited to get a chance to play again. So he sent me the info, info, I mean, uh, the music and a scratch track. And I really liked it. He had some good stuff in there for me to work with. And so since I thought this was going to be a one-off like Lance, I maybe, maybe, we're not sure, but maybe overplayed on this one just a hair. <laughs> and yes, I did play all eight of my toms in this song. And it's kind of slow, and did I need to? No, but I thought this was going to be a one-off. And had I known it was going to be part of a bigger project, I might have played it differently, but I'm not promising anything because I don't want Eric to think that I'm okay playing less because... Even though less is more, really less is always less. Isn't that right? But the other thing about this song is maybe the weekend before I tracked the drum part, Neil Peart's death was announced. And so that was really heavy on me while I was tracking this stuff. So there may be some... Neil inspired things on here and I will let y'all listen to it and try to find those but it was just really a, uh, a kind of an emotional thing for me just to even play because I hadn't played in over a year for personal reasons and then for the practically the first thing I played after a year was this song recording with a good friend of 20 years with fresh news of who I would say is easily the most influential drummer in my life and his passing from a three-year battle with brain cancer that also was news. Neil was a notoriously private man and that info wasn't really even let out to the public. Close people knew, of course, but um, the public didn't. So it was kind of a shock just to find out that whole thing. 
but uh, I really enjoyed uh, tracking this. I met up with Eric and Kevin at NAM right afterwards, and we talked about it and joked about it, um, how we just threw a song together like that, and uh, it was coming together pretty well. And since I am coming to y'all from the future, I did want to point out a little bit about Kevin's guitar solo. And I don't know if that was completely mentioned, but that came in late, like way after the song, or at least my parts were done. So when I was listening to the song a million times while I tracked it, and then a million more after I tracked it, that wasn't there, that ending guitar solo. And then all of a sudden it was there and it was so good and so perfect and just so soulful. I really liked it. Now, if you've heard in other episodes, when there are extra parts added to songs way after I'm done, I don't necessarily like them initially. And that was the case for yesterday's. The intro part of yesterday, there's some keyboard stuff in there that wasn't there initially. And at first I didn't like it. I like it now. So I guess I don't like change much when I'm used to hearing something. But I did in this case. Kevin Solo was amazing. So I'm really happy about that. Um, I really enjoyed Lance's bass playing. I hadn't played with Lance for a really long time. And uh, <laughs> I don't, don't mean to insult Lance here, but he was way better than I thought. Uh, Lance is a really, really good bass player. And uh, I was... I was really surprised with the party came up with and it was just so perfect. And I really like listening to it, listening to it and the chords that he did um, in that bridge part, just amazing. So uh, good on you, Lance. Really cool. Of course, uh, Eric's vocal performance was amazing. And maybe what is the most exciting about this particular song was getting to work with Bobby Phillips. I had worked with him one time on a project that I actually didn't even know Bobby at the time. I recorded some drums for a project and that got given to Bobby. And so when I heard the final, it was, it was so amazing. It was a sticks cover song that we did and my drums had never sounded as good. And so when we were trying to find people to mix this song, which at the time we thought it was just going to be a song, not an entire album. Uh, I immediately thought of Bobby and I'm glad that everything worked out the way it did. Bobby is the consummate professional. He's really, really easy to work with when we have issues or when I have issues with my drum part. Uh, he fixes them. He makes me sound way better than I really am. And uh, it's just, it's been a blast. This song started uh, quite a journey for this band so far with, um, a full CD and well, at the time of everybody else, the Pinecone EP wasn't out at the time of right now, as I'm giving my part to y'all, the Pinecone EP is out. So we just have a lot of music in the pipeline and, um, I'm really excited to see what's going on. And, uh, West of house fans, I would really like it if you would email Eric 
and tell him you want to hear more double bass drum because I can play it now. <laughs> so I want to play it, but I don't get to play it because it's too metal, apparently. But I don't think so. Uh, okay, so, you know, uh, that's all I have. And I think we're going to lose our satellite feed here anyway, so I need to go. I'm surely forgetting something, but uh, I'm going to hand you all back uh, before we drop our satellite feed. And... Thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you later. So thank you, Tommy, uh, for joining us from the future and for, you know, correcting us on all our rush faux pas. Uh, moving on, but he, he did a great job, you know, and, and I was really, really happy. And I think it was at that moment that we all kind of realized, well, what are we going to do with this song? Because while, you know, our musical talents, you know, are, are halfway decent, uh, our mixing and mastering talents are not. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a beginner. I'm probably an intermediate now after, after this album. But at Ableton and, and recording things and putting them together, you know, they don't always match what's in my head and how I want them to sound. And uh, frankly, I, you can't be a master of all trades. Because to do that, you have to water down other things, and there's too many damn books to read, and I just did not have the time to learn how to do all that. They say you so, should never mix or master your own music anyway. That's what they say. That Would you agree with that, Bobby? No, I'm completely guilty of that. <laughs> <laughs> You're weird, though. You're like that. <laughs> well, it was totally out of necessity. When I started as a sidebar, when I was recording my own music back when I was a teenager, I was like, well, I got to learn how to make this sound good, and... And over the last 15 years, it's just been something I've honed and uh, now applying to other people's music over the last maybe four or five years. So, Well, we're glad you did. Yeah. And, and as you'll see, it, it worked out well for us, but we didn't know about Bobby at this time. Tommy was keeping him locked in his back pocket. You know, this in the dungeon. Yeah, his, Bobby was trapped it like Harry Potter under the stairs. It down there, too. <laughs> it smells like <laughs> potatoes and failure. It's... <laughs> Potatoes. <laughs> but, failure. but we didn't know where to go uh, because in the day, you know, you, I recorded in studios and there were, you know, guys connected to the studios and they would do that for you and they'd send it back and it was a long process. Um, so I found this thing called Fiverr online. And if you don't know what Fiverr is, it's basically freelancers on a website and you can hit up different guys and it's pretty affordable. Uh, we use it for artwork. Uh, sometimes if there's something we just can't do ourselves. But for this, I found dudes that mix and master music. And so I'm like, well, you know, it's, they're offering free samples, which is good. So it's like the Baskin Robbins of mixing. So let's, let's send a few out there. And we hit up three guys on Fiverr. And ironically, none of them were in the country. So we had a guy in Italy, a guy in the UK, and a guy in Brazil. And for fun, let's play a little bit of what we got. You know, wow, from this our, will be fun. From I our international fallen mixes. These, these have never seen the light of day. Uh, they will not. These are not the final product. These were samples that were given back. But, but let's give a listen. So this is Italy. Another day Like the last one Whiskey in my Oh God. 
I mean, you know, Italy. Hey, good job, Italy. And way better than what we've done. So we get the first sample back and we're like, oh, amazing, because it's better than we can do. And it was and then, international, which I thought we all thought yeah, was cool. Yeah, it's international. So, I mean, we're cool. Absolutely. You know, our, our Italian mixer, you know, did this. So then we get our sample back from the UK. And here's a sample of that. Another day like the last one. You can hear that one. It's way different from Italy. There's a lot more reverb on it. There's kind of a different feel. And at this point, you know, just from a musician standpoint, it's interesting to me because you're kind of getting the feel of, of what music sounds like to these guys in their heads in the part of the world that they're in. And at this point, I, I like the UK. We, well, we all like the UK uh, better than Italy's version. And the UK was, was on top. It was amazing. We, I remember, Eric, when you, we would get these where you, you've heard this song, it was our first one, and you get something back, and like you mentioned, it was mind-blowing to go, oh my gosh, that was cool how they did this, they did that, and it, and I think, like you said, it really puts on your heart, like, this is not my bag, I'm so glad somebody else could do this, because they can make things come to life, which is pretty fun to hear that you created this, but my God, has it transformed, which is a fun process to go through. It's really neat, and you know, one of the things that I actually liked about the UK and something that Bobby does as well is, you know, you heard in the sample, the UK guy, he brought the bass up where Italy was kind of buried and we lost that melodic feel. In the UK one, you know, he brought the bass up and he, he separated the vocals kind of from the muddy mix too. So, so that was cool. You know, it was really nice to see the bass highlighted because that melodic playing is kind of a hallmark of what, you know, would become the West of House style. So, and then we got Brazil. So let's go to South America and listen to a little bit of the Brazil sample of Fall. Like the last one, whiskey. So you see there now, now Brazil kind of took some stuff from Italy and some stuff from UK, you know, the bass is still pronounced, but it's not as reverby and the song is a little more complete. So, so we were sending these along in our text messages and having a thread and it it didn't take too much uh, talking about it, but we decided, you know, Brazil was the best of the three. Yeah, definitely. It was, it it just seemed to compliment better. Everything sounded cleaner and crisper. And I think we said, let's do it. Let's have them go. Because it was like 30 seconds or so they, they're sharing with us. Yeah. Yeah. Just 30 second samples. I mean, uh, you know, a little mastering, a little mixing, not, you know, to what their full extent is. But from those three, you know, Brazil was the best. And so we agreed to do Brazil. And then, of course, after we agree to it, 
Then, but then Tommy goes, I know some guys. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, well, maybe you could have told us, you know, before we agreed with this other guy. So now that's going to cost us a hundred bucks because we committed to it. Uh, but he said he knew, he knew two guys and I, I don't, I don't remember the other guy's name and we got, uh, two samples back. You know, oh, I don't even remember the other one. Uh, yeah, the other one, uh, we're not playing that one. No, I don't. I no. It was fine. it was a no, and we'll just move on and pretend that one didn't happen. So <laughs> I was still very con- I was still very content with Brazil at that point. It's like America has failed me yet again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Foreshadowing West of House lyrics, uh, and then we get you know one back from who Lance affectionately labeled Ricky Bobby. Yeah, baby. And we get this one from Bobby. And and he had just thrown something together, you know, with some Shake of his bake. magic. And we have that sample in the archives. And it's different from what turned out, but let's play a little bit of that sample right now. It's titled Shake and Bake, right? Shake and Bake. Do you remember that sample, Bobby? Vaguely, oh. yes, vaguely. <laughs> it was a year ago, man. It was a different life, lifetime. It was a, it was a while. <laughs> Another day. Last one, whiskey in my hand. Oh, God, I pray that I'll find something new just so I can live again. It's a long way to fall. So you can hear there. I mean, already the foundation of what's created is uh, one, the, one, the drums. The drums on Bobby's sample sound far superior to anything. The bass is isolated. Uh, he had a, only what I can refer to as, as a gentleness with the vocals, where they came across a different way. They weren't as harsh. They were, I don't know, massaged and treated like, like the diva that <coughs> vocals can be which I appreciated. <laughs> and, and the guitars are panned appropriately. Uh, they're, they're placed in their positions to where every piece adds to the song. And, and so we realized very quickly you know, that, that Bobby had a certain mastery of that that our, our friends in the other countries, uh, no disrespect to them, uh, didn't have. So Bobby, why don't we throw it to you and tell us kind of some of your initial thoughts when you were uh, given the song. Tell us the version from your side. Yeah, so I mentioned some of this in the uh, Turn of Phrase episode we did a few weeks ago, so I'll just kind of brush over that. Tommy had come to me with, uh, I guess you could call it the demo. It wasn't the uh, electric guitar vocal demo, but just kind of a rough mix, I guess. And he sent that to me asking if I'd be interested in trying out for a mix. And I heard the song, and I really dug it. Um, it was really melodic in pretty much every aspect, um, kind of a chill song, and I, I dug it. And I was kind of eager to get my hands on it because I could hear what I wanted it to sound like in my head, um, filtered through my tastes. And so I remember, um, to back up just a bit, I had met Tommy in a, in a musician's group, and I had mixed a cover song of a Styx song that they did. And Tommy, I remember, would not shut up about how good he thought I made his drum sound. And I was flattered. Absolutely. 
Nice to see things have changed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I also heard you just said, shut up, Tommy. But it was kind of woven <laughs> you, in the fabric of your sentence. Do you want to edit that together? Just cobble that? <laughs> no, it was it was just so natural and organic. I Carry on, Bobby. The floor is yours. Eh. Um, so, in fact, to the point where he had... He told me he made the solo drum track his ringtone for a while there on his cell phone from that cover song. So fast forward a few years, he sends me the the Fallen demo and uh, he sends me the tracks and I get it together. And I remember I had just gotten this piece of software called Sonarworks, which is a room calibration software. It's supposed to take the room you're in. And at the time I was in a very small nine foot by 11 foot room and I had some bass issues. I had just gotten the software and calibrated the room and I could actually hear the bass. So if you hear in the original demo, the overall low end, or excuse me, not the demo, but the first mix I sent, the overall low end of that was kind of overpowering. Um, and we tamed that in a few revisions um, once I got the green light to keep mixing and do some revisions. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a cool song and it was fun to mix. I I, I loved the guitar work. I loved the vocals. Uh, for any engineers aspiring or otherwise, the the secret to the vocals is this plugin called the Mog EQ M A A G. It's got this air band up at 40,000 Hertz that just lifts everything that is on every vocal track of Eric's in the entire crescendo of silence album. It's my vocal Botox. Mm -hmm. <laughs> is that Botox. what you call goo? No, that's not no, the goo. No, the goo no, the is goo all the, yeah, the goo is all the, the reverb and effects, which didn't come until about halfway through the album. All right. Well, we have a dynamic relationship with uh, mixing my vocals, and Bobby discovers new things and takes them to new levels. So it's it's kind of a mad science lab in here sometimes. Well, well I wanted to go. Hear, wait till they hear the solo album. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go back to that kind of dichotomy where we were we had Brazil, like you said, we had already kind of committed, and then Bobby's mix came in, and they were both very good, but. We I mean, obviously it was Tommy's friend, and we had mentioned that in our last episode of Turn of Phrase. But I think what we all also could tell, and I don't know how because we're novices with mixing and stuff, but it clearly, it was obvious to me, it was clear to I think all of us that Bobby had this higher ceiling. And even on a song like Fallen, where there's not a lot of crazy stuff going on, you could tell that there was care taken, but yet there was this whole level of quality or professionalism that we knew we could tap into if we wanted to do some more pieces. So I, I, I remember having that conversation that they were both good, but Bobby's ceiling seems to be way higher and the quality of his equipment or whatever from Tommy's perspective, probably. Um, it was kind of an easy decision at that point to service both of them. And the final product kind of spoke truth to our thought was it was way better, the final piece than what Brazil was. Brazil didn't change much, if I remember right. It was like a couple tweaks. Bobby took it to a whole new level. Brazil took what was there, and they, you know, put some makeup on it and made it good. It was good. Uh, Bobby, I felt, and, you know, this is musician speak, and I'm probably diving too deep into it. Bobby, I felt, cared about the song. And he cared about the song enough to mature it into what it could be. And I think... Uh, you know, where Brazil was a business transaction, which is fine. There's nothing there. But I felt like Bobby 
you know, personally got into the song and, you know, from, from listening to you, Bobby, some of the things you're saying, you know, you couldn't wait to get your hands on mm-hmm. it. Uh, you could hear that. And that's what I really appreciated. The, these creations of ours, they obviously mean a lot to us. And to have someone come alongside and, and we couldn't know this because this was just Tommy's friend. And, and Tommy's a weird dude, you know, I, I don't know some of his friends. I know he, he hung out with a pirate a lot in the 80s and 90s. And, you know, I don't know who this guy is and he's in Utah. And then here's a dude from Wyoming. So, you know, first I'm picturing someone next to a dead buffalo with a musket. And, you <laughs> Which know, would I be mean, cool. I mean, that's, that's then, my next the, door the neighbor. Fun, that's... <laughs> the fun part of it is, I mean, through all this, I think Tommy had, I told Tommy, I said, hey, tell Bobby that if it's good, you know, we'll have a few more songs for you. And Tommy's like, hey, we'll have like four or five more songs for you. So everyone's happy. Who knew it was going to be like 20, you know, and counting. And it's still going. But then, you know, uh, Bobby and I didn't contact personally on Fallen, but then we did for, did I come in on yesterday's where we started I think you did, yeah. I think halfway through yesterday's, I sent off the first mix. And I think, I don't remember who initiated the group chat, but we started a group chat um, really just to cut out the middleman. Um, Because I was getting, for Fallen, I would send it to Tommy. (laughs) You mean mean cut out the drummer? Sure. (laughs) So we could shut up the drummer. you can edit that out. So no, <laughs> for Fallen, I was sending them through Tommy and getting notes from you, Eric, back through Tommy. So it was, hey, Tommy, pass this on to the boss. And then Tommy would go, OK, the boss says this. So I'm wondering if it was just me getting sick of the just going through another person no, with with no disrespect. to Tommy he was communicating things greatly like it was it was super easy, but it just made more sense to go straight to the source. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I mean, I, I had so much, so many things Then I text Tommy, he texts you and one of us, uh, regardless, you know, it was important for us to hook up. And then, you know, we started this really fun and productive working relationship together. And then, you know, becoming friends through the process too, mm-hmm. uh, just from, you know, our personalities are very similar. We have some of the same, uh, political leanings or apolitical leanings for those out there. And so, you know, the band got a friend out of it as well. And then we have this guy who's amazingly talented and is our de facto sixth member of West of House for sure. So, so now we've got, you know, this wonderful West of House family from, from Tommy's friend that he knew, which is just, it's a fun, heartwarming story for me that that's what, it, that that's what this turned into. Ricky Bobby, who rides Buffalo. Love it. <laughs> So, so after the back and forth, we get a finalized uh, song from Bobby, and we're all happy. And what the hell? You know, we, we, had, we had a band name at this time. This was around late February. So we've decided to actually call this thing real to, to make our relationship serious. And on March 13th, 2020, uh, we release the song Fallen, our, our debut single. Uh, and it did pretty well. So I remember that first week and we did some promotion. We did some Fiverr promotion, uh, you know, getting the song on playlists and stuff. And lo and behold, the, this song right now is at uh, over 35,000 streams. That's just on Spotify. And for us, I, th- I think it hit, it was in the 20,000s after that first weekend, you know, our promotion did pretty well. But at this point, you know, our minds are kind of blown because I remember watching, sending you guys screenshots of the numbers that kept going up and we're like, 
what is happening? Who wants to listen to our music? <laughs> that was cool. So, so it did well. It, it had good promotion. Uh, it was a fun time and really kind of thrust us into this belief that, you know, we're, we're not going to be rock stars. We're not going to be super rich. We're not going to be playing all over the place. But it gave us enough self-esteem to say, we've got music worth putting out there. So we're going to do that, you know, because we all have other careers, we can do it for us. Uh, we don't have to do it for a record label anymore. I did that in the nineties. I hope to never do that again. Uh, cause you're creating for other people. And this was about us. So having our baby go out there and do so well, Tommy created a lyric video, which was fun for it. We pushed this out there and then we forgot about the song because we had an album to record, which brings us to August. And Lance and Kevin, now here's where we went into top secret territory. Because I don't think, Bobby, these guys knew what was going on with Fall. You, you told me not to say a word, and I wasn't in contact with either of them, and I didn't say anything to Tommy either. So this was you and me, and a uh, special secret agent man that you hired. <laughs> As this, is, this is very surreptitious. So at this point, we, all the songs are done for Crescendo of Silence. And we, we kind of hit our stride uh, with Fallen and then Voyeuristic and then moving on to Shadows. And now you've got this West of House sound. And I'm talking to Bobby and we realize Fallen doesn't sound like everything else on Crescendo of Silence. You know, we didn't have the layers of guitars that we put in like on yesterday's. We didn't have vocals that were double or triple tracked uh, like on some of the other songs. And it's, it's very sparse. It's not bad. It's still a good song, but now it's different because we were programming. I remember Lance and I were talking about the song order. Side two, we got Holy Ghosted. We've got Turn of Phrase. And then Fallen comes in it, and it works there, but it's different, right, Lance? Yeah, just I think tonalities, sonically, I don't know. Bobby has probably real words to describe that, but <laughs> yeah, it just didn't fit. It was like a different size playing card in a deck where everything else, you know, is the same. Oh yeah. I mean, and the programming, I mean, there was no other place that we could put Fallen. Uh it's you know, it's mid-tempo, it's not really gonna work on side A. So it, it really was stuck in that eight position. So at this point, uh Dave was in the band. Dave was in the band officially. So I turned it over to him. Uh, just to add some extra guitars, you know, to try to get some of that sonic feel, uh, to, to feel like the rest of the songs on the album. And you're hearing those overlays right now. And it really worked well. And we're learning at this point how well Kevin's and Dave's guitars work well together, that, that they're very complimentary. And this is a wonderful example. When Fallen, how Dave adds stuff. Now, this is months after the fact, and it doesn't step on any of Kevin's toes. And I think we, we took my guitar and we dropped it even lower than that because I just got that driving. I don't know what they are. They're like eighth notes or something. It's no big deal. It's a, it's a throwaway part. So Dave does that. And then I redid the vocals. I redid the vocals the second time. I double tracked them. We threw in some BGVs. Uh, Bobby had some suggestions for some high harmonies he wanted to hear. Uh, we threw that in, you know, which turned out to be really cool. And so we've got now a completely different song. And I remember I, I sent it to the guys and they didn't notice. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> I didn't know about this. <laughs> I, 
I forgot well, who the Lance. It may have you may have been the first one to notice something was different. Tommy had no clue. <laughs> Tommy's like, yeah, this is fallen. Yeah, I mean, I I will admit if I didn't respond to it, it was because I didn't listen to it for a day or two, maybe. But when I finally did, it was it was amazing because you had mentioned something like, oh hey, we kind of tooled around a little bit. And when I listened to it, it was to me it was completely different and the guitars came to life the vocals it just popped and it was yes like this actually has come to life the way i remember it even though it was different because when it was new it was shiny and precious and amazing and then it kind of collected dust like you said before it kind of sat there till august our sound was kind of recognized in yesterday's and we just kept refining things and so to hear that final version that you just kind of secretly put out there with Really very little word. As you normally do, it was probably a text with a little, hey, I, I we did some stuff to Fallen. And it's just sitting there like this little drive tab to, to push. <laughs> so I was probably busy at work and, and I didn't, uh, you know, stroke the ego right away. But yeah, it, it now has come back to the way I remember it when we first listened to it. Okay, so, you know, we have this, we have this version. We did a promo video for it. Uh, the clip from Fallen is on that. And then, I don't know if Lance remembers this or not, Bobby will. I still didn't like the lead vocal. So a couple days before, I did it again. I scratched it all and sent Bobby a complete... I just wanted... First, we were just going to fix a few words. But I'm like, you know, screw it. And I completely did a different vocal take on this. So vocal track number two never really saw the light of day other than 30 seconds on a promo video. But then I sent it to Bobby probably two days before we uploaded. It really it? was. It was kind of a last minute thing. And I, if this would have been in August, then I, we, Wyoming was out of lockdown. I was back to work full time. So I was trying to, you know, meet your deadline while also fitting in a, a full time job and, and my own gigs as well. Um, but yeah, you sent me the, the first redo of the vocal, plus all of Dave's parts, backing harmonies and his guitars. And then, yeah, like, a couple days after I, I like we signed off on it, then it was like, no, I'm not happy with it. And you sent sent me another vocal, and I just kind of had to fold that in. And thankfully, it's a pretty easy process to just drop your vocal in and then just make any on the fly adjustments. You know, maybe if this part's a little bit louder than it was in the other take, and yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't too much of a hassle. It was just more of a another one, really. Okay, I think it sounds <laughs> fine, man, but it's your voice, so. Singers were were a finicky lot. Eric, did that coincide at all with getting a new microphone, a vocal mic? No, that's you're referring to the uh, the CAD mic that I used on most of it. I got that after Voyeuristic. Okay. So the first three songs are, uh, oh well, they're with that Audio Technica, and then that started having issues, which popped up again when it's, when I lent it to you to use for the podcast, and then I moved to a CAD mic, the GXL three thousand for all the techies out there. Which really, I mean, that's the rest of the lead vocal work on the album. It's it's not an expensive mic, but Bobby turned me on to this. And the nuances you get from this thing, uh, whether I'm singing soft stuff or whether I'm doing rocking, uh, just sounds great. It's a total workhorse. And now. it's it's an yeah, easy... I remember how excited you were. It's an easy mic to mix on my end, too, because I've got the earlier version of it or a different version of it, the 2200, and I love working with that thing. And now you've upgraded again... I have upgraded, you know, to the uh, the Sure, the the SM7B. That's strictly for podcasting right now, but I know it will uh, it'll make its way into other things, you know, especially for 
some of the louder in your face, screamy things that may be coming related to lasers, but we won't talk about that. (laughs) Pay no attention to the man behind the microphone right now. I like how we drop these hints that no one knows what the hell we're talking about, but maybe a year from now they'll be like, Oh, that's, that's what he meant. (laughs) The Westies, they'll, they'll go back in the archives. The Westies know they're, they're good treasure hunters. So yeah. So now we got a new song, you know, pretty much. And, and we upload it uh, with the album and it fit. That was the great thing about Fallen is with, with the stuff Dave added and then, you know, what Bobby did to that after, you know, nine other, nine, ten other songs of working with us. Now we've got, you know, it, it's filled with goo and all the other stuff. Uh, now Fallen works. And when it comes after Turn of Phrase, it doesn't sound like uh, it shouldn't be there. It sounds like a perfect part of the combination. You know, and, and to touch on that too, as far as it sounding different, after we mixed the single and then we started moving on to other songs, Voyeuristic and Yesterdays and all that, and working our way through the, the other nine songs on the album, when we came back to that as we were finalizing everything for the album, getting it sequenced and making some last, you know, final tweaks and whatnot, song by song, I had to dive back in there when you sent me the extra tracks with Dave. And before I even loaded his tracks and your other vocal take in, I had the same reaction where I'd been working with the rest of your guys' songs. We'd been building up the West of House sound. And I come back to the first song, Fallen, and it does not sound like a West of House song. And I and before we hopped on recording today, I went and listened to the single that you put out back in last March and then the version that ended up on the album. And in headphones, the the width is different, the sort of ambiance of the track with the with the echoes and reverbs is, is different. It it sounds now much more like a Westerhouse song. Yeah, it it's night and day. Uh just to see how far we come. It's a perfect bookend mm-hmm. for the crescendo of silence experience. Uh, to listen to that original single version and then to listen to the album version. Well said. So, I, I see what you did right there. Yeah, I see. I like that. <laughs> so with no further ado, let's play the album version of Fallen. Uh, so here you go. Another way to feel alive 
So as I say, after every time we play a song, <laughs> I still like it. it. It's this one, this one especially. I mean, I will be honest. This is not my favorite song off Crescendo Silence. But this is like, you know, that first guitar you get when you're a kid. There, there's just Nostalgia. something special about this, about this tune. And it's still good. It's very, it's strong lyrically. It's got a good message. Uh, glad we did it. Uh, we talked a lot about you know, the single version. If you want to hear the single version of this, it's on Spotify. Uh, just go to Spotify and in the little discography, it's an Apple Music too. You'll see it's got a different uh, album art. It's like a little dude walking through a fiery door, which turned out really cool. Yes, it did. And so you can listen to that and you can kind of A-B the single version and the album version. Do it, you know, 20, 30, 400 times. Because, you know, that's point zero 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 three cents for us. After you follow so, the YouTube channel, which this song is also on YouTube. Yes, the, the, lyric, the lyric video is the single version as well. Yeah. We even yeah, had so, a discussion about that once you recreated it or it was forged in the fires and it was reborn. Another Lord of the Rings there quote. But uh, we had that discussion. Should we change it for the YouTube thing? And it was like, no, it'll reset the number, but it also, it's not what it was. And it's, yeah. it's okay to have a different version, which is the right decision. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what it was born as. And that's, you know, how, how it should stay. That, that maturity of the song should be out there uh, for people to listen to. And who knows, maybe someone else will come along and be like, I like the old version better and then Message boards will fight about it in the future when we're half cyborg. And uh, these are the things that keep me up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, there's also a piano version of this song that I did. What? Which, 
Yes, yes, there is, which is interesting because a couple days ago on Friday, February 19th, 2021, uh, we released an EP called the Pinecone EP. If you are a longtime listener of the podcast, you'll kind of know the love affair that Tommy has with Pinecones and where that came from. We threw him the bone, so to speak, and just allowed it because it's an EP. But on that EP, uh, is the piano version of Fallen that I did. Uh, just something different, you know, to kind of show how that song works in different ways. We've also got demos uh, from 2015 of Moving Shadows and Voyeuristic Symphony. We have a uh, cover of a protest song we did uh, for a school that was they were threatening to close here in Orange County, California, called Killer for Protest Song, is on that EP. And also the lead single from that, which is called Irish Goodbye. Irish Goodbye had a lot of participation in it. There was. Uh, it, it was a fun song. So we farmed out the backing vocals to Westies. We put up some posts on social media and ended up with how many backing tracks did we get on that oh one, Bobby? Oh my gosh, I, 40 something? I'd have to. Four, I might be overstating 40 that. something Hang backing on. tracks. Uh, <laughs> just insane. We had a great response. And it's the end of the song has got kind of this Irish bar feel. And I, I wanted something with people like singing along to one of our songs. And the Westies came through, absolutely came through. And let's play, uh, should we play a little clip of that? Let's. Should we do that, Lance? Let's play a little clip. Uh, this is near the end of the song when the crowd comes in for Irish Goodbye. And if you listen carefully, I think you could hear Bobby's voice as well. Bobby was there. Uh, two of my kids were on there. Even Tommy is singing backup, and his tracks are great. One of the yes, you know, near the end of the song, we didn't play that, but he does a little yeah at the end, and you can totally tell it's Tommy. And to to correct an earlier point, I just pulled up the file, uh, or excuse me, the folder. Thirty oh. tracks were submitted, uh, including Tommy's, and uh, no, that does not include your girls. Thirty tracks were submitted. Uh, and then I think I added two or three myself. I think all but one or two of those submitted tracks made it. That's fantastic. It was a lot of fun. You did a great job on that one, as Thanks, always, man. Bobby. But it's a cool song. You know, we had had that song. It was called a, a Dronus Maximus was the working title. And it was a crescendo of silent song. Uh, but it just wasn't coming together like we wanted to. So we decided to do this little EP with, some, with a B-side and this other cover song and some demos, just kind of to throw some stuff out there that, that we didn't want to die, especially Irish Goodbye, and you know, give you guys a little something extra uh, before, hopefully, you, know, you see some new music later this year. We don't know what will happen. Maybe. Maybe not. Who knows? We know what we want to happen. Sometimes we don't always get what we want. 
It's true. As the Rolling Stones once said. <laughs> there is a good song but, there. But give it a listen. We're pretty proud of the little Pinecone EP. There's some uh, <laughs> alliteration there for you. Uh, so give it a listen. It's on Spotify, Apple Music, everywhere you listen to West of House. Go ahead, enjoy Irish Goodbye and the piano version of Fallen, and let us know what you think. Now, next episode, we've got a banger, don't we? What's coming up next, Lance? Yeah, we've got our namesake to our podcast, Echoes Down the Road, which is our second to last song on our album, Crescent of Silence, which is one of my favorites. I love listening to it. It's a good car ride home or to work. Uh, not only lyrically, but just the way you sing it, Eric. It's it's one of my favorites, and it's a special song to, to tuck in the, the B-side of an album because... This is one of those songs that should be on the A side of an album, but uh, we just had so many quality songs in this first album of ours. And so Echoes Down the Road will be our following episode yet to come. I, I foresee some, uh, some deep conversations when we tear those lyrics apart. Pretty heavy stuff. Well, gentlemen, that was, uh, that was exciting. Let's do some uh, housekeeping. As we've talked about before, you can find us on... Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, anywhere you listen to streaming music, you can find West of House. You can listen to our podcast on Podbean. They're hosting it right now. Also on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Deezer, everywhere you can find podcasts. We ask that you please subscribe and follow. Uh, that lets us know who's listening out there. And well, it's, it's fun to see. And these episodes are being streamed and downloaded, which is really exciting. Probably even more so now, now that Bobby has joined us for a couple. I mean, his, his fan club alone has to be in the, in the tens. So, we, so that's going well. Uh, come visit us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Handle is West of House Band. And you can find us on YouTube, where we would encourage you to please subscribe so once again we can get that nice, wonderful, short URL. But gentlemen, it has been a pleasure. Bobby, thanks for joining us again for yeah, this Yeah, thanks one. for having me, man. It's been fun. It was good to meet Kevin, too. I think uh, we're going to have you back for Voyeuristic. I'll definitely correct? be back for Voyeuristic. I have some things to say about that. How, how many tracks were on that one? 2,764. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we were in the 80s or 90s, but we'll get there when we get there. And we're going to overlay every single one. <laughs> Just stack them up. In a, special, in a special four-hour podcast. <laughs> Uh, but this has been a wonderful time. We want to thank you guys for listening out there. As always, we are West of House, and we are just honored to serve you with our art. So go forth, have a wonderful day, and we will see you next episode. Goodbye, everybody. Take care. Hey, so just we got, as a five-minute warning for Kevin, we only have five minutes left with him if there's anything else. Yeah, Kevin, you can bail. So, I mean, you've, you've contributed <laughs> more than I could ever hope for. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so, so jump in real soon. You got something to say. <clears throat> uh, uh, what, are you going to say something? Testicles. Okay. <laughs> yes. What are those called, Bobby? Because Rocky Easter Mountain Oysters one. are Mountain cow, I think. No, those are, but, I'm pretty sure those are buffalo. Buffalo balls yeah, buffalo or balls. Rocky Mountain oysters. Yep. Bison balls. All right. 
Gross. I just Gross. learned something. Just tied it all, all together. All right, moving on. I don't want to spend my morning talking about balls. <laughs>